I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Uh, it's it's a new month. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. And we're leaving behind government conspiracies and aliens. And uh, Wh- whatever the fuck April was. Yeah, all like, that. Like we don't know. No. So if you're still with us, thank you. God bless. Says the atheist. Oh my god, I'm tired. Um, yeah. That that's how fucked up it was. It, it yeah, turned us from I've turned to religion. Into saying, yeah, <laughs> saying God bless. So yeah, we've had our fun, and now for May, we're moving on to crimes of the skies, which is less fun. <laughs> And hey, guys. Oh, Taylor's drunk, by the way. I'm not. I had one cider. I'm tired, and that's worse. <laughs> you're tired, and you're a lightweight. Oh, uh, too. Oh, uh, too. So, hey, guys. Gather round. If you are signed up to our newsletter, which comes out monthly, most of the Except time. Except this month. Except for this month, because we have no news. So, there's that. Um... Uh, so if you're signed up to the newsletter last summer, you might remember that we were going to do uh, a month of Sky Crimes last September. But then we realized that last September was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. So we decided that it probably wasn't the right time to do Sky Crimes. And I think that was the right decision. Yeah. Yeah. Quite probably. It's also quite bad we didn't realize till like the last week of August and we went, oh, fuck. Yeah. So it's good um, at that point in time that we were not ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Because <laughs> we'd have been fucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So we're doing it now. It's been a, been a bit of time and there are some very interesting crimes in this uh, category. So, uh, we're, we're, we're going to do this, um, and we're kicking off this month with an unsolved mystery from the early days of aviation, the death of Alfred Lowenstein. But before we get into that, first, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping. You probably noticed you're listening on a Thursday, not a Wednesday, because yeah. we've now moved to a Thursday release just because of the way our schedules are at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. So welcome. It's Thursday. It's almost Friday. Aren't you happy about that? I sure am. Yeah, we're here to help you onto the weekend. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We 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 did hump day for a couple of years. Now (laughs) we're going for the. We're all humped out. (laughs) Yeah, and um, you may also have noticed that last month, even though we had a month off to organize ourselves, things didn't come out on time, and the reason is. We were so ahead of ourselves, we forgot to schedule everything on time. We're like, oh yeah, we've done this, and then realized afterwards, like, oh, Fuck. we did it. We didn't upload it to the internet. Yeah. Like we, so, like, we had sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> we had it, and we done did it. We just then didn't done share it. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it's a process. It's like a learning experience so we're doing that and you guys are just like you're seeing us do that (laughs) in real time 
Um, We're getting worse as we get older. That's usually how it happens. Uh, Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so we apologize for being very erratic last month. We're figuring figuring it out, putting systems in place, you know? You guys are yeah. fine. You don't mind. You're still here. After yeah, exactly. All of our bullshit. So yeah, you know what um, you know what just you're in get, for. Just to get back on that bullshit. Um, just in case anyone has got over last week's episode on the Montauk project, and you know needs to be re-traumatized by it all. God, I don't so, need to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the other day, right? I was talking. To my friend, because she's like really into like manifesting stuff and that kind of thing, uh huh. Like, and astrology and and stuff and like, uh, I'm less into it. But anyway, this friend they asked me, uh, if like after I explained the Montauk project and the manifesting chair, they asked me, uh, what I would manifest if I had a manifesting chair. So just thought I'd ask you, what would you manifest? A hot tub. <laughs> that sounds really good right now. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Uh, we got a hammock for the backyard this weekend, and like that's pretty much all I need. So I'm good. <laughs> I, I would have said hammock a week ago, but uh, there's nothing left. Well, what about you? Well, I would manifest a lazy sugar baby lifestyle for myself. <laughs> Can I because get one of those too, just without the like sugar daddy? Just, no, but right, it's just right. the money. Yeah. See, this is the thing. Like, it's a lazy sugar baby lifestyle. So instead of you know, like sucking dick for money, which like. Fine. We're not here to judge. Like sex work is is perfectly valid, you know. Do what you gotta do as long as it's all consensual and there's no abuse of power. That's great. We're lazy. Yeah. Um uh, Taylor's got other reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'm not not big on that that whole uh activity. Yeah. yeah. Per se. So, so like instead of doing that, just being like Basically, the benefits of being a sugar baby without the work, but also like, like you know, when like people are like sexting, like, "Oh, what are you wearing?" and I'm like, "Well, what do you want me to be wearing?" <laughs> so it's like, it's like you have to do all the work, <laughs> and I get the benefits. Oh God, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and and yeah, I got I got some people in mind for who I who I would like to be my sugar daddy, but you know, no. <laughs> That's we a, do not need to go down that That's route. another episode altogether. That's a Patreon bonus. Um, it most certainly is not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out. Um, oh, it really isn't. But <laughs> Tune in next month. Uh, I mean, yeah. certain musicians from certain bands I listened to as a teenager. Yep. Paul McCartney. No. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. But he's the cute one. No. <laughs> None of those guys. <laughs> uh, 
anyway. So yeah. I yeah. Taylor Taylor wants a hot tub. I want to be a very lazy sex worker, basically. Sure. Why not? Meanwhile, the guy in the in the experiment manifested a a d a, a demon monster monster thing yeah. thing yeah. yeah you know you know to each their own yeah it happens so let us know yeah, what so. you would manifest in your manifestation chair yeah <laughs> or don't you know I don't think we need to put this out there this is not something we that isn't no just let's not put that in the universe. <laughs> This was a bad idea. I shouldn't have brought this up. This is all your fault. <laughs> Everything's always my fault. <laughs> no. I'm fine. There's no surprises. <laughs> the blue man of the minch was my fault. Oh, yeah, that is true. <laughs> a lot of it's my fault. <laughs> um, oh, Christ. So... <laughs> That was meant to be a fun conversation. It went very wrong. Moving right along, which is not something that's generally in our vocabulary, but here we go. We're going to try it out just this one time, just tonight. So One night only. Yeah. No, let's stop. <laughs> Face hurts. <laughs> okay, right, that's it. Okay. The last of April has coughed itself out. <laughs> We're being serious. Aviation crimes. You can't tell me to be serious and expect that. I'm going to be serious. <laughs> knocked things off my desk. Oh, good. Uh, all right. Here we go. Okay. Um, doing it. This would be a good episode to do for Patreon. Like, here's the unedited version. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, we could do that. That could be that could be a thing that we do. So, patrons, if you're listening to this, hi. Aren't don't you feel special? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> right, no. Here we go. Here we go. Alfred Lowenstein. Steen? Stein? How are we? Berenstein? Berenstein? Bears? Steen, I think. Steen. Okay, cool. Alfred Lowenstein was born in Brussels, Belgium, on March 11th, 1877, just a day before me. And yes, I am that old. Well, you are looking good. <laughs> right, I know. It's just my lack of sun exposure all these years. Um, and he was born Is in this a joke about me being sunburnt? No, it's a joke about me being, like, being very pale. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm currently very sunburnt because I went outside- in England, in August, uh, August in, in April. April. That's your, and your that, mistake I, right there. Right? Like, I don't need sun cream because it's England in April. I am very pink. Oh. Very lobster-like. Honestly, that was just a, a happy coincidence. <laughs> uh, Alfred Lowenstein was born in Brussels, Belgium on March 11th. 1877, into a long line of German-Jewish bankers and financiers. Uh, un I love the accent. This is the only thing I took with me for my French lessons <laughs> for nine years. Um, and under the tutelage of his banker father, Bernard Lowenstein, he established his own banking concern. Concern? Yeah. Uh that's how it's described as like a banking concern. I think it just means yeah. like 
like it's not like a bank like we would think of a bank mm-hmm. but it's it it, it it has qualities of a bank cool in kind of shady financial <laughs> circles uh, okay i see it's i i get it i get it it's like a rich that's, it's that's a rich people I, bank yeah got that, it that's exactly what it got is got it so he established his own banking concern society society international energy hydroelectric based in belgium fucking shit what well, that was what that uh, you got ha- you had so much confidence till you got to energy <laughs> you're halfway through energy Should and I you try kind of... i just kept going and that's why i was like well, oh okay, my god it's still going cuz you know you've got a second crack at it in a oh good good this good. next sentence so the society international I'm, I'm making it like Italian. International. <laughs> uh, international d'energie hydro. I don't know how you say that H in French. The International Society of Energy and Hydroelectric. Yeah, that. Uh, so they supplied electric and other power facilities to developing nations. And by the outbreak of the First World War in 1914, uh, despite being considered a loose cannon and eccentric. Not good combos there. Um, oh, I was going to say hashtag goals. Oh, because, okay. Well, <laughs> but I, I'm not trying to run that. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to run in those circles. Yeah. Um. So, despite being a loose cannon. And eccentric. Lowenstein had made himself one of the richest and most powerful people in Europe before he was 40 years old. Now that's a good way to go. Uh, When the Belgian government went into exile as a neutral country during World War I, he offered them $50 million to buy the national debt interest-free and help stabilize the country's economy. What a nice guy. Oh, yeah. He's just a peach. Yeah. Uh, his offer was rejected. Well, it just goes to, goes to show the kind of position he was in financially and how low national debt used to be like a century ago. <laughs> if, I know inflation counters in, but still. If one guy can buy your national debt, it's not as bad mm. as it is now. No. Yeah, I mean, like, can... can who's the third richest guy in the world at the moment bill gates can he buy the national debt no because it's like trillions of dollars so as well as his electrical business dealings lowenstein was often in the right place at the right time Ah. investing in commodities like synthetic silks just before they exploded in popularity Uh, he also had an interest in aviation and became known as the flying financier of belgium what a title. Ah, shit. Mm. In the mid-1920s, he moved to England, where he set up a holding company and continued to do business all over the world. He was the third richest man in the world during this period uh, and reportedly had his sights set on the USA to expand his fortune and his business empire. Boy. Yeah. Alongside his business ventures and interest in aviation, Lowenstein had a passion for horses and owned a number of purebred racehorses. Some reports suggest that his marriage to his wife Madeline was more a marriage of convenience 
uh, than it was love, and that his real love was his horses, with whom he spent more time than his wife. Wow. Shit. Mm. So he was like the OG horse girl. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so Alfred Lowenstein, verified horse girl. Um, so... It will come as no surprise to most that as an incredibly wealthy man with an interest in aviation, Lowenstein owned his own plane. A Fokker. A Fokker F7A3M. Is that right? Yeah. Um, And he used it to fly himself and his staff and business associates just about round and about. Wherever. Just, you know, wherever you might want to fly. Um, and that is exactly what he was doing on July 4th, 1928, when he flew out of the now-demolished Croydon Airport in South London, heading for Brussels. I see why you mentioned my birthday. Yeah, so he was born on March 11th, yeah. which is the day before your birthday. You know, this I, I, this trip where ominously edging towards happened on my birthday was, july 4th I, i'm gonna take a wild guess here and say he might have died on your birthday oh i don't know why you would get that idea it's not like it's our whole reason for being here tonight <laughs> um yeah you are banned from drinking cider no on recording days no je refuse uh yeah so According to BuzzFeed, the plane was custom-fitted to be like an office in the air, including upholstered chairs and extra soundproofing, so Lowenstein could talk to his secretary and stenographers above the sound of the plane's three engines. The plane had a glass partition between the cockpit and the cabin, and a door between the cabin and the rear of the plane that contained a small washroom and toilet on the right, and the only external door on the left. This is 1928, like, planes have been around, f but only for about 20 years at this point. Mm. Yeah. This sounds like a fancy-ass fucking plane. I mean, yeah, but not compared to what, like, well, a Ryanair would be luxurious <laughs> in comparison. Yeah. But, like, it sounds like, uh, uh, of the technology available at the time. He had a nice yeah. plane. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, so on the day in question, Lowenstein was joined by six other people. His valet, Fred Baxter. Secretary, Arthur Hodgson. Sonographers, Eileen Clark and Paula Bidelon, who all sat in the main cabin of the plane with Lowenstein. And the two-man crew, Donald Drew, the pilot, and Robert Little, the mechanic. Shortly after the plane took off at 6 p.m., when the plane was over the English Channel at about 4,000 feet, Lowenstein went to the bathroom and never returned. That is, like, worst plane bathroom nightmare right there. <laughs> Just got sucked into the toilet and spat out over the English <laughs> Channel with all that blue goo. Yeah, I don't think they had that on planes back then. <laughs> Didn't he wish they did? So about 10 minutes after Lowenstein went to the bathroom, his valet, Fred Baxter, 
left the cabin to check on his boss after you know a bit of bit of chatter like well, he he's been in there a while. Should you should we leave him to it? Should, oh, oh, should, oh, should oh, we, oh. we check on him? Is, is he okay? Did we have dodgy like dodgy kebab last night? Too much chili, Alfred. Mm. Um. So Fred, open you know goes into the rear of the plane, opens the bathroom door. Lowenstein is nowhere to be seen. He had disappeared into thin air. So he obviously goes back into the cabin and tells everyone else, like, um, he's gone. Boss has disappeared, so like, we got a free afternoon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Arthur Hodgson alerted the plane's pilot, Donald Drew, who, instead of making an emergency landing at the San Inglever airport in northern France, which is only five minutes away from them, he turned around and landed on a beach. Oh, sure. What were they planning to do? Like, just swim out and see if they could find him? <laughs> yeah, right. What the fuck? Uh, the problem was, the beach was under the control of the French military. Oh. You know, quickly dispatched a battalion of troops to arrest whoever just landed on their beach. <laughs> um, so the two crewmen and four remaining passengers were taken to... The nearby Fort Madik, and interrogated by Lieutenant Marquet of the French 1st Battalion, and then by the French police. But the investigation was abandoned the very next day. So, at that time, each country had a territory of just three miles from the shoreline, and beyond that was considered to be international waters. Uh... The French and British authorities determined that Lowenstein had left the plane somewhere outside of their territories, so therefore he was probably in international waters, um, considering the circumstances. <laughs> uh, now, neither the French, British, or Belgian authorities wanted to claim or take charge of the investigation. Sure. I get that. Yeah, you know. It's like, not our water's not our problem, right? Yeah. Uh, there was another problem, though. With no body, no death certificate would be issued in Belgium, which meant that Lowenstein's will could not be read, which meant his estate would be frozen for at least four years before he could be declared dead in absentia. Now. No, we're not saying exactly that the inheritance from one of the richest men in the world was a motivating factor or, or anything like that here, but it seemed that the only person motivated to find out what happened to the financier was his wife, Madeline. She didn't have anything to gain from that, obviously. But, yeah, I mean... Fair is fair in love and plain mysteries and horses, right? So, um, I mean, if you spent how many years playing second fiddle to a racehorse, yeah, no matter how like luxurious her lifestyle has been, 
and it would probably be nice to be a trophy wife with no demands placed upon you. Yeah. You might be like, I'm not waiting for years. I want his money now. Yeah, you know, she's worked hard for that money. She has endured a lot. The horses. The horses. <laughs> so a reward for finding his body was advertised, and more than two weeks after his disappearance on July 19th, local fishermen found Lowenstein's body and brought it ashore with them in Calais. An autopsy was conducted at the family's request, which revealed that Lowenstein had a skull fracture and many broken bones, <laughs> which is to be expected after falling 4,000 feet. Yeah. So the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode on this said that every single body, every single body, every single bone in his body was broken. But everywhere else, like several bones were broken. I'm like, mm, there's, there's a, that's a very big range. <laughs> there's a lot of bones when you're talking about every single bone. Yeah. So, but despite this, he was alive when he hit the water, which must have been painful. Yeah, you know, like. And, like, I'm sure that hitting water at that force would be, an, or at that height, speed, velocity, whatever, would be mm. enough to break at least several of your bones. Yeah. I mean, I've seen people jump off, like, a diving board at a swimming pool and come up with massive bruises yeah. a few hours later. Yeah. So. Like, if they've got the angle wrong. Like. So, I imagine in the water after falling 4,000 feet. Might might do you some damage. Uh, so the only irregularity was that alcohol was found in his bloodstream when he was reportedly teetotal. Uh, but the family weren't concerned that foul play was involved in his death. They just wanted it recorded publicly that it was an accident so that after his funeral, nobody would suggest that he had been thrown from a plane or poisoned or dumped in the sea or anything like that. Which, of course, nobody did, and that's the end of the story. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. Just kidding. So, so, um, over the last 94 years, many, many, many theories <laughs> have been floated to explain how Alfred Lowenstein met his death, ranging from accident, suicide, murder, even extraterrestrials, but we'll get to that later. And pretty much everything in between. So we're going to go over some of the most popular theories. The first and most straightforward explanation is that Lowenstein accidentally opened the wrong door on the way to the bathroom and opened the external door instead and fell out. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. So it's very kind of slapstick comedy. <laughs> it's very, yeah. But also could happen. Yeah. You know, planes in 1928, as nice as his was, who knows? Maybe just didn't have that little sign that says bathroom <laughs> on it. Well, it did have a big sign above it that said exit. Hmm. Well, so, maybe he couldn't read. I don't think that was the problem. 
Uh, now, it has been suggested that the door had not been properly secured before takeoff and had blown open after Lowenstein opened the internal door between the main cabin and the rear of the plane. And so he had then essentially been sucked out of the door by the force of this sort of opening. You know how like sometimes when like you got the back door open and and then you got the windows open? And mm-hmm. then like there's a there's a breeze and so like yeah. shuts the the windows. It's like that. Yeah. Just like about four thousand feet. Yeah. yeah. With multiple broken That's bones. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. So it's, it seems plausible. Um but these explanations have been debunked. But they are still they still persist because of course, because like everyone knows about the whole window back door negative pressure thing. So the door was marked exit and had a window that showed the outside. The bathroom door (laughs) did not have a window for obvious, I hope reasons. Um, So it, 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 should have been difficult to confuse the two, but I guess not impossible if you weren't of sound mind. And some people had suggested that in recent weeks, Lowenstein had become more absent-minded and more easily confused. Others have argued against this explanation because a single person would not have been able to force the door open on their own at 4,000 feet, and that the pressure on the plane in the in the air would have prevented that from happening. Makes sense. So tests were conducted on the plane by the accidents branch of the British air ministry. And they found that at 1000 feet, just a quarter of the height that the plane was at, at the time of Lowenstein's disappearance, the investigators had only been able to open the door six inches, which is obviously not enough space for a grown man to exit the plane. No. Uh, So the second theory is that Lowenstein took his own life by jumping from the plane. This has been debunked like in the same way that the theory of him accidentally opening the wrong door has been debunked. The door couldn't open at that height and air pressure. Accidentally opening the door would be more difficult if you were like fully intent. Yeah. You would maybe and like there's probably a lot of adrenaline going through your body. Yeah. I would imagine if you're about to jump out of a plane to take your own life. Perhaps you could be strong enough to do it, but still. Yeah. It it, it still sounds unlikely. <laughs> um, and those close to Lonestein also dismissed this theory, as they claim he was not depressed, and he had no reason to take his own life. Now, we obviously know people can hide depression and other mental health problems, if he truly was uh, depressed and wanted to end his own life, it's not surprising that he was able to hide that yeah. from people. So, um, Some have argued that Lowenstein may have taken his own life due to, quote, financial irregularities within his businesses. Oh. Which I think is more likely yeah. than, than depression. But um, So this theory has also never been proven. But at the time of his death, Lowenstein's empire included 
the electrical company, the synthetic silk companies, coal mines in Germany, rubber plantations in the Belgian Congo, as it was known then to date as the Democratic Republic of Congo, and he was even a major shareholder in Belgium's National Railway. Wow. Yeah, rubber plantations. That's slave ownership at that time. Oh, yeah. That was not... That was that was not like, oh, we pay our workers. That was slave labor and they got their hands chopped off if they didn't cut, if they didn't pick enough rubber. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly all the plantation owners were like, oh, how come we've got no one to pick our rubber? Well, because you keep cutting their hands off. That, that would become a problem. And that's what the third richest man in the world was doing. He had... He, he was part of these plantations. Yeah. And I imagine the mine workers in Germany weren't treated a lot better. Probably not. Synthetic silk sounds like potential for exploitation, too. Yeah. Workhouses, mills. Yep. And, of course, we all know the saying, nobody ever got rich by being honest. And certainly nobody becomes the third richest man in the world palling around with kings and, you know, national leaders without at least a fair bit of exploitation somewhere along the line. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of corruption, probably. And he certainly would not be the first, like, mega wealthy person to take their own life rather than live like us little people. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That being said... He had arranged business meetings with Canadian tycoon Sir Robert Holt the you know the week after this this journey was meant to take place. Like just minutes before takeoff, he was ringing this guy in Canada. Like, okay, yeah, let's up some meetings for for next uh-huh. week. So he, that suggests he had plans for the future. Had you know no intention of taking his life. Yeah. But of course, if he did intend to take his own life to escape any financial problems or even fake his own death to escape financial problems you would make it look like you were planning life as normal yeah no you would yeah third theory is that lowenstein was murdered although uh the list of people who could have murdered him is quite long some have suggested that his wife had him murdered so that she could inherit his money which could be supported by the fact that she was so interested in finding the body, but also didn't attend the funeral. So, you know. Mm. Um, and he was actually buried in an unmarked grave. That's interesting. So it's part of her family's uh, like plot, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of them, <laughs> so it's essentially a section of a cemetery. Uh-huh. Um, and the bit that he's in has no headstone. Interesting. Um, the couple lived pretty separate lives during their marriage. Madeline lived a sort of life of absolute luxury with no requirements placed on her. So she didn't really have any motivation to have her husband murdered other than the power and influence that she, she may also have inherited along with his money (laughs) Mm. and horses. Yeah. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe she was a horse yeah. girl and she wasn't jealous of the horses. She was jealous of him. She was like, I want these yeah. horses for myself. I want to get 
to spend time with the horses. They're my pretty ponies. Hmm. Now, another motivation could have been for insurance reasons. Uh, even if there were a problem with Lowenstein's vast business empire, leaving little in the way of inheritance, there was still a large life insurance policy, policy that Madeline would have been able to claim. Now, others have argued that by the same theory that Lowenstein took his own life because of his bus business irregularities, he may have been murdered by investors, business associates, or even rivals because of issues within his businesses. The problem with all of these accusations of murder is that there were six other people on that plane with Alfred Lowenstein, four employees and two crewmen. And so for him to have been murdered, all six of them would have to have conspired together or been paid off or threatened into silence. Mm -hmm. But this isn't actually as outrageous as it first sounds. <laughs> when the plane first landed on the beach and the six were taken to Fort Madik, they were all shaken up, teeth chattering, sweating profusely, hysterical crying, and it took 30 minutes before any of them were able to just give the name of their boss and explain that he had disappeared somewhere over the ocean. Well, not an ocean. <laughs> the English Channel. Yeah. Part of the North Sea. Yeah. Um, now, if you had seen someone murdered and been threatened into silence, you might have this kind of extreme stress reaction. Yeah. You know, could happen. Like, uh, that's mm. fair. It's definitely so, fair. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. So Lowenstein wasn't only engaging in legitimate business dealings. No matter how reprehensible the rubber pl plantations were in the Congo, they were sadly still legal businesses 100 years ago. Um, it turns out he was also in bed with the mob, as all good, horrendously wealthy rich guys are. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Now... It was alleged that shortly before his death, Lowenstein had met with Arnold Rothstein, who Salon.com described as America's first drug dealer. What a title. Mm. Um, Wikipedia describes Rothstein as a racketeer, crime boss, businessman, and gambler in New York City. <laughs> Oh, it's, he's also a gambler. Yeah, I think that might have been running, like the the making money side of it, not. Uh, so he was a um, not losing money. He, yeah, like he was a, like a game boss or something. Yeah, I think. Um, as well as a bootlegger and a mentor. Of future crime bosses, Lucky Luciano, Meyer Lansky, Frank Costello, and numerous others. I mean, so Luciano and Costello were part of the what's now the Genovese crime family. family. Uh, Meyer Lansky was closely affili affiliated, but obviously being uh, Jewish, yeah. couldn't be in the mob. Whew. They're the five families. <laughs> yeah, buddy. This guy was connected. Wow. Yeah. That that's do you really want to get in business with that man? 
No, not really. But if you're like so wealthy and so blinded by the pursuit of money and just greedy, you'd probably want to do it. Yeah. Also, like, these are the people that you've run into when you're that stinking rich. Like, because they're mm. also that rich. And because they make it their business to run into well, people like exactly. you. Exactly. It's like, hey, guy, yeah. I heard you mm. have some cash burning a hole in your pocket. Come mm. contribute to my businesses. <laughs> mm. um, now, this deal was allegedly for Lowenstein to help enable Rothstein to supply opiates to the European market. Presumably, he would import and distribute, but we don't know for sure because nobody actually knows if this deal ever happened. So. But if it did, and, you know, he stepped out of line. Yeah. That's a very dangerous person to be on the wrong side of and someone who would not think twice about having you removed. Oh, yeah, for sure. Terminated, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Like, everyone knows, even back then, everyone knew what organized crime was about. And if you willingly got into that life, you can't complain if it goes wrong. Yeah. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah. Finally, the promised alien theory. Uh, which actually was just a footnote in BuzzFeed Unsolved's episode <laughs> on Lowenstein, but... We decided to include it, because we love an alien theory. We have to. Uh, but I don't think it's actually a legit theory. <laughs> I think it's just something they made up on the show. But in this theory, they posit that aliens flew up alongside Lowenstein's plane in their little flying saucer, zapped him out of the plane via the toilet, <laughs> experimented on him, and then just threw him out of the flying saucer and he landed in the channel. Yeah. Seems seems right. I see mm. no issues with this theory. Works for me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, I don't think it's real, but yeah. you know. Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're just starting this this alien theory. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Let's be real. Uh, now we will likely never know the truth about Alfred Lowenstein's death, but four years after his death, his valet. Fred Baxter, who had been kept on by his son Robert Lowenstein, was found dead from a fatal gunshot wound. And it was determined that Baxter had taken his own life, with many believing that it was to do with the guilt he felt over Lowenstein's death. Or he was silenced to make sure he didn't reveal any details of that faithful, fateful plane journey. Others have suggested that Robert Lowenstein could have shot Fred Baxter in revenge for his father's death. If this is true, Baxter would not be the only servant who Robert Lowenstein shot. Uh, the other being about 10 years after his father's death and had nothing to do with said death. Apparently just like to shoot servants. That's fun. I mean, when your father is like owns a, a plantation in the Congo. Yeah, yeah. At that time and the things they did to people then. Yeah. I don't think you come from good 
good stock. You just come from rich stock. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, interestingly enough, Robert Lowenstein also died in an airplane accident in 1941. So, bit of a parallelism mm-hmm. there. Mm. Um, and that is a story of Alfred Lowenstein and his mysterious death. Hmm. So thoughts. Oh. Like I don't think he just accidentally stumbled off the plane. No, it sounds far too much like something out of a a, a slapstick yeah. comedy show. Like I said before, that that to me, I'm just like, really? Did you just accidentally open a plane door? Even back in those days. Yeah. But also, how did he end up? I don't. So I guess where I struggle is that like the only reason that we know that he supposedly disappeared from the plane is because the people on the plane said it happened. Yeah. So I think this is all very like murder on the Orient Express, like ganging up to to kill him you know could be yeah i just uh, yeah i mean like if all so say the the four employees obviously you got the two crew in the cockpit if the four employees work together yeah they could open that door and then form a human chain to make sure they didn't fall out <laughs> or and th- and throw him out. Like, he could be, like, a really horrible boss, which I'm guessing he was. Yeah. Or he was never on the plane to begin with. Well, see, this is another theory that he could have faked his own death. That, or, or they could have already the, dumped him in the water. Or the plane landed and he got out of the plane and disappeared. Yeah. Like, into a car that was waiting or something like that yeah. and the rest was just a cover story. Because why would they go land on a beach when they could have gone to the airport? Mm. That's suspicious. Or the door could have been removed beforehand so he could have parachuted out of the plane met a yacht, come ashore got in a car, disappeared and then the door was put back on when they landed before they were arrested. Can you just take doors on and off planes like this? I don't know, maybe back in the day. <laughs> people believe he accidentally opened it in midair and just (laughs) fell out so if that's possible you maybe you could just take a door off a plane shit yeah just like something doesn't add up uh Hmm. and he's certainly a murderable fellow it seems like in terms of his wealth and his associations and his General just lack of morality. General demeanor, yeah. So, like, I wouldn't be shocked if someone was like, hey, no. let's get together and yeah, push this guy out of a plane. Mm. I feel very much the same way. I, I don't think it was an accident. No. Um, I think it could have been, it could have been suicide. It could have been murder, he could have been pushed, or it could have been a cover-up and he could have, like, escaped somehow. Yeah. To, you know, for whatever financial, you know, insurance reasons, he could have done that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I think all are possible. Yeah, I think also, like, it's such an old case. <laughs> Clearly, nobody wanted to investigate it. Yeah. They're all like, not my problem. So mm. there's probably a lot of information out there that we just don't have. Yeah. And had it been investigated properly, there maybe would be more information. Yeah. But then again, why did nobody want to? Like, there was no... Um, like, there's obviously the three-mile territorial bit, mm -hmm. which now I think is, like, 20 miles. It's more, yeah. We I know we talked about it in the the North Korean yeah, yeah, yeah. ghost ship yeah. episode last Halloween. But so you've got a three-mile from the waterline, shoreline territory. So, yeah, you could be like, well, it's out there, I don't care. Mm -hmm. It's not my problem. But... Maybe there was like a reason that neither government really wanted anything to do with him. He was palling around with the king. He was palling around with with world leaders. Yeah. So had he angered them, and they were just like, "Nah, we don't want it anymore. We 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 really don't care." So I think what you're saying is the king had him killed. That is not what I am saying. I think what you're saying is... <laughs> I think you're putting words in your mouth. <laughs> but if he pissed off some really, like, you know, powerful people in these various European governments... Well, I mean, it is it is plausible that... Oh, I'm not going to... Okay, I was going to say, the higher you are, the harder... And further you fall, but then I was like, that's just the wrong <laughs> analogy for this. But it, it, it is true. Yeah. Like you, like, you run afoul of, you know, everyone in power in Europe and psh, you, 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 you're in trouble. Yeah, you get pushed out of a plane. So all of it is possible. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's too many possibilities. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, once again, uh, we have solved nothing. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Um, but do let us know your theories. Um, yeah. What were airplane toilets like back then? Like, was it just like an outhouse? Because if the hole was too big. I don't know. Right. I'm going to have to go back to the Air Museum at York. Because my ticket is valid for a year. I went last September. Mm -hmm. With my dad. So. I'm going to have to go back and, and find out. Because they've got all these old planes. Just go and. I mean, most of them are like military planes. But they've got like the really old, old ones. Like the, the original. Their first aircraft. The Kaylee Glider. Mm-hmm. Which was invented in Yorkshire. So, because centre of the world, obviously. Um, but yeah, they've got loads of old planes, so I might have to investigate. Gonna have to go check out every single plane bathroom. Yeah. And report back. Oh, I, sorry, I accidentally tripped over the barrier and fell into the plane. <laughs> Just happens sometimes, you know. I wasn't. 
purposely climbing in to examine the toilet. It's totally normal. Not crazy at all. But I imagine it would be like some kind of early version of like a porta potty. Yeah. Type of thing you would have in like a caravan or a camper or. I'm just saying. If it's just like an outhouse and if it's just like a hole in a plank of wood, that could go wrong. And you could just fall right out. It could. But no. <laughs> I mean they even they had to be like weren't gonna just like let all that shit fly out onto poor people below. But literally those are just the poor people below. Well literally, yeah. <laughs> so do they care? Um but I, I would like to think that they had a little bit more forethought than, oh, just an outhouse toilet. <laughs> also, that would really affect the aerodynamics and the handling yeah, of a plane. Probably. If you had like a, a plank of wood just flapping about <laughs> in, the, in the toilet. I don't know. I've been on some planes that feel like that's what they're made of. So... <laughs> Uh, remind me at some point to tell the story of uh, of the boat cruise that we went on when the canal cruise we went on when we were am- in Amsterdam with a quite an interesting toilet. That will be a a ramble at some point. I feel like okay. I will try and remind you of that. Okay, let me, let me write it on my notepad. So. That will be something for you all to look forward to. Uh, And if you like the show, and God, why would you at this point? But hey, if you do like it, uh, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app, especially Apple Podcasts, and subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And hey, by the way, we got a review recently. Oh, was it nice? Yes. Oh, that's good. So we're going to read it. If it wasn't nice, we wouldn't read it. Um, (laughs) Five stars. Consistently fun is the title. Oh, wow. Um, These ladies humbly cover a nice range of subjects spanning from strange cases with paranormal undertones to unsolved cold cases. Solid podcast with a lighthearted approach to unsolved mysteries and true crime content. So, thank you, kind reviewer. Oh, that's nice. I've never been called consistently fun before. No. It's usually fun when drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm honored that you think we humbly cover anything. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that we're solid. Yeah. Oh. Has warmed my cold heart. You're so sweet. Uh, we are definitely lighthearted. Yeah, that's that's yeah. But so, if you want your glowing review to be read <laughs> on the air, um, you too can uh can leave us a review, and and we'll yeah. see it hopefully. And uh, and hey, maybe maybe we'll read some more reviews out at some point because. You know, that one set me down a rabbit hole. We actually have a couple, so it's oh. pretty cool. Um, so, yeah. See, this is where you find out that I have no input on the 
and like beyond writing and speaking, Taylor deals with everything. I have no idea. <laughs> well, I don't even. Uh, it was like something that I had signed up for like two years ago, uh, uh, like that notifies <laughs> you of your chart positions or something. And just got an email the other day being like, you have a new review. It's like, oh, someone did it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> um consistently thank you uh thank you and if you want some square mile merch to go along with your five star review uh you can get that at square mile of murder dot store we have stuff recently updated designs go check them out they're super fun let us know what you want on a t-shirt consistently fun humbly covered No, I don't think we can have Humbly covered. <laughs> yeah. No. Nah. Nah. But consistently fun. I like that. Yeah. So, let yeah. us know. Now, if you would like to help us cover the costs of making the podcast and invest in the future of this consistently fun, light-hearted, humble solid little podcast, show. Yeah, humble. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta remember humble. Don't let that uh, go to our heads. <laughs> <laughs> you can join our Patreon page. Tears start at just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes one day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 per month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive Money Can't Buy stationery. So check all that out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Links are in all the usual places. Um, no newsletter this month because we have no news. <laughs> and Taylor's going on holiday this yeah. week, so that is our news. Yeah, it's thrilling. Um. Yeah, uh, so we'll be back next week. We will see you all next week. Um, next week. Yeah, so uh, we'll see you then. See you later. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.